This episode of That Podcast in Hutch touches on an issue that is uh, deeply personal to me, and it's one that I care about a lot, and that is poverty. And as you listen to the conversation today, I hope you'll hear what we're trying to kind of talk about in the episode. Um, I bring in Marla McKee and Anthony Fritchenmeyer, both who work with Circles of Hope. And one of the key things, there's a, there's a lot in there in that episode but I, that I hope you'll take away, but a few of the key things I hope you'll get is that first is the compounding nature of the difficulties of being in poverty. You know, one of the things we talk about is the different issues that you struggle with when you're in deep poverty or in generational poverty. So you struggle with food, housing, transportation, medical care, child care, and all of those things, if one thing falls out of line or one thing falls off the edge and you can't maintain or manage that anymore, how that then triggers uh, different um, but related problems elsewhere. And, and Anthony made a real good point about different types of trauma, about how poverty itself is trauma, and I believe that is absolutely true. But he also talked about uh, system trauma and political trauma and that we sometimes and often, frankly, put in policies that further complicate the efforts of people to get themselves out of poverty. And it, this, to me, is a really powerful episode that we recorded here today. Part of it's to talk about w the work that's being done at Circles, but at the core of everything, if you, if you listen and if you listen to the end, what you'll find is that this is a program where people come into it in poverty, often from generational poverty, and they make it through this program, they increase their income, they increase their stability, they move from poverty to the middle class, and then in a lot of cases, end up serving as an ally to help people who uh, are in poverty after they've gotten out of poverty. So it's this very well-organized, self-replicating system. And so I hope you'll listen to that podcast and take some of that away because I think it's a really important conversation we need to have in our community. Hey everyone, it's That Guy in Hutch, Jason Probst, and you're listening to That Podcast in Hutch. Today, I've brought in two special guests to talk about a, a really good program that, that runs here in Reno County called Circles of Hope. And if you're not familiar with what this group does, it's actually a nationwide organization that works to try to help people develop the, the skills and the tools they need to move out of poverty into uh, stability and the model that is used is really unique, but also really effective. So I'm really happy to have Marla McKee, the director of Circles of Hope, and Anthony Frischmeyer, who works as a class facilitator for Circles of Hope today. Thanks for coming in, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. So tell, for somebody that doesn't know anything about this, has never heard about Circles of Hope, give us the kind of overview of what you do. Okay. Well, Circles has a dual purpose in our community. And the first is to help people get up and out of poverty. And then the second part of that is to help remove barriers for people in poverty. And so we encourage everyone in the Circles community to do that, to advocate for change, 
that helps remove barriers in our community. So when we talk about barriers, uh, I think sometimes that's talked about in the abstract, but what do people in poverty, what are those barriers that they encounter? I mean, I know, I know that they're varied and there can be a lot of different barriers, but sometimes in the, in the conversations or, or in, in the programs, what, what do we see as some of the biggest barriers? Uh, access to different things in our community that can help them get to thrive. Um, people in poverty um, don't have the connections as far as the social connections mm -hmm. that they need to make progress. Yeah. And so that's what we help them do. We help them first through a training system and then through intentional relationships that help them create those connections with other people in our community that they wouldn't necessarily meet in any other way. And there's the terms that, that we use. So people that are in the circles program are circle leaders, right? Yes. And they're kind of leading their own journey that's this. exactly right. And then the the people that are serving as kind of mentors are called allies. Yes. Right. And that and that's a relationship. This is one of the real fundamental things of circles, right? Is this building of relationships between uh, people who have experience, either having come out of poverty and into a, a stable middle class, or people who have been in the middle class who can help people in poverty navigate because I want to get into this a little more. I remember when we were having some of the early conversations around circles here in Hutchinson, one of the, I think, things that was kind of mind-blowing for people was this recognition that there are different rules and different social structures and people in middle class or upper income sometimes look at people in poverty and say, why can't you just fill in the blank? But the essence is, why can't you just do like I do? And, or, what, and one of the reasons is that they don't know, right? They, they don't have the context or the experience or the relationships to know how to navigate these rules of this system. Is that right? That's right. I mean, think about growing up in generational poverty and then trying to make that transition into a middle-income situation. And that's, that's why the circle leaders who, the majority of them, have been in generational poverty mm -hmm. are matched with middle class or upper class individuals as allies. Because then they share information back and forth. And it's, it's a, it is a reciprocity that takes place there where, you know, the circle leader learns from the allies that they're matched with through this intentional relationship. but the allies also learn from the circle leaders. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, it's done that way purposefully so that people can share that information to help others make progress. And it's a, it increasing everyone's understanding along the way, right? Yes. Everybody has more understanding yes. of the, uh, another group or another lived experience, right? right? So to get to that point too though, Anthony, you run a series of classes Right. I do. Yes, uh, 12 weeks. Okay. So this is kind of along the way, this is maybe preparing uh, 
circle leaders for some of that, what they're going to learn or what they're going to experience. Can you kind of run through a little bit of what happens in those classes and what kind of topics you cover? Absolutely. We So at the, at the very beginning, we all circle leaders, they go through a 12-week um, kind of class. It's, I don't like training, the word training. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of boring to me, but we... <laughs> I, I like to call it a discussion. Yeah. We have we have twelve weeks of discussion, and some of the topics range for um, you know in the beginning we're we're learning about circles. We're learning what it is. Um, we, we talk a lot about um, you know confidentiality and what is said in the class stays in the class. That's how we're building those intentional relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so after we're done learning about circles and you know most a lot about how it's a tried and true program it's been around for 30 some years um so it's been proven to work we have the data to back that up Mm -hmm. um that alone i think helps build um some of the the confidence in the in the program but then we go in and we start learning about ourselves we do a lot of inward looking um you know what our strengths are where our weaknesses are um what we we see that we need to change about ourselves to get to that next level. Um, then we start looking at like things around trauma, you know, um, emotional, um, physical trauma. Um, we learn that poverty is trauma in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, we we learn not just with that trauma, um, but also you know that there's also trauma that we can't control, like you know racial trauma. Um, you know, even, and I don't know if this is the correct word, but political trauma. Some of the the um, legislation that has been passed over the years um, directly affects people in poverty and keeps them in poverty, which can create trauma. Um, then we start talking about, you know, goal setting. We, we, we use the acronym SMART goals, and, and we, we learn about those, how to write those correctly, how to work through those steps, um, work, learn about budgeting and... Um, how the budget can help you get to what we call the future story, which is where we, where you want to be in your life and be stable. And everything we do is preparing the circle leaders to get to the match circle, which will get them to their future story. You said a couple of things in there that I wanna kind of make sure I, I touch back on. One thing you said is that poverty in itself is trauma. Yes. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and and when when in the class, I use a lot of my life experience um, teaching the class. So I'm a person who was raised generational poverty. Everybody in my family before me had lived in poverty. Um, so when you're growing up in generational poverty, um, like for me the where the trauma part comes in is, you know, there's times I would come from, come home from school and we wouldn't have lights. We wouldn't, sometimes we wouldn't even have a place to live. You know, I remember being in sixth grade, starting band, um, and trying to learn how to play the saxophone and having to do it on the roof of a motel because we had lost our house and we we're now living in a motel. Mm-hmm. Um, needless to say, I did not continue band. Um, when you're told to shut up a lot by the owner of the motel, you yeah. don't get that practice in. So I didn't continue with band. But that's trauma in itself. Um, you know, coming home from school, having a house, then coming home from school and there's not a house, that's trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, you, the trauma is, is more of the uncertainty of life. 
Um, so that's kind of what we mean with the, the trauma of poverty. And, and doesn't it keep people in kind of a perpetual survival mode? Absolutely. Right? Like if you're and and it it along the way, if you grow up and you're in a and 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 you're a young child in in a family that's experienced generational poverty, that story that you just told about uh, the saxophone and not being able to practice, like that in itself has taken away an opportunity from you, right? Absolutely. Like nobody, it, and these aren't anything. This isn't anything that the, that a sixth grader did to to yeah. eliminate this opportunity. The circumstances of his or her life uh, led to this case where you can't practice. You you might have been a, a world-renowned jazz musician, but we'll never know that because of the, the situation you lived in as a child. Absolutely. Um, we, we ta- I talk a lot about how, um, especially in generational poverty, there's so much learned and unlearned behaviors. You know, um, you know, learned behaviors, I can navigate the, the social service system. You know, I know if I, if I need food or to get benefits, I know exactly where to go and how to navigate that system. That's a learned behavior that I learned from my parents, that they learned from their parents. But unlearned is like budgeting. Mm-hmm. I, hadn't, I was 36 years old before I even knew how to create a budget and how to stick to a budget because nobody in my family did, did that. that. And yeah. these are all skills that, you know, um, people who aren't living in poverty, you know, they see their parents doing budgets or, you know, having bank accounts and, and navigating those systems. I didn't see that. Yeah. So it's, which again is, to me is, is another form of trauma, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it's set me back a whole lot. Yeah, because if you don't have that skill growing up or nobody's taught that to you, then you enter adulthood not fully prepared to navigate it, right? And so coming back to you, Marla, on on this, that this is one of the – and this is one of the goals, right, to take what Anthony's talking about with this unlearned behavior, these skills that I need to function and and not continue to fall behind and lose opportunities and and get blocked by these barriers – Part of what we're trying to do in, in circles is uh, blend these two together so that there's some opportunity to learn these skills that we probably haven't been exposed to. Yes, that's right. Um, one thing that I do want to talk a little bit more about is that ally mm-hmm. role at circles. And, um, you know, Anthony touched on this. Without that match circle, you know, people coming to Circles of Hope will learn some of these basic tools that he's talking about, but they really won't have the time in 12 weeks to create change. Mm -hmm. And so that's why um, we bring the allies in to form that relationship. And while the circle leaders are training, the allies are also training. Mm -hmm. So we provide um, several different kinds of training for them. Anthony is trained as a Bridges Out of Poverty trainer. We helped him with that after he started at Circles sent him to that training, so he's able to provide that to the allies so that they have an understanding of the people that they will be matching with when it when that happens. Um, there's also an online training program for the allies. Um, that's something that's provided by Circles USA, and they're able to work through the different sections that talk about things that they are going to be facing in the ally role that they may not be familiar with. 
And so, you know, it's a it's a complete culture shift mm -hmm. for someone to come to circles <laughs> and say, hey, I'm going to, you know, get above 200% of the poverty level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am. But it's going to take a lot of time and commitment and dedication. And that's what sets circles apart from other organizations in our community is we are there willing to invest our time, our energy um, into people that we may not know <laughs> yeah. um, and help them make progress, help them create that change. And, and the relationships that are formed with leaders and allies is a generally a pretty deep and long-lasting relationship, right? It's not... It's not a superficial, um, hey, every now and then we're going to go to, to the same building. It's, right. it's kind of like a lifeline of sorts, right? Very much so. And I started out as the ally recruiter at Circles. So I was familiar with that part of the system. Um, but, yeah, it seems like, I don't know what Anthony would say about this, but my experience at Circles is if we have matches – that fail, they commonly fail early. Yeah. And for whatever reason that is, and there's a multitude of reasons that that can happen. Even though, you know, even though we're all trained and we're yeah. all ready to go and we all have a high level of energy that we apply to it, sometimes those things happen. But in my experience, five years at Circles now, it usually happens early. And um, sometimes it is related to the commitment piece of things yeah because we're asking them to circles is a huge commitment mm -hmm. you know you're you're committing to 12 weeks of training but then you're also committing to 18 months of the match circle yeah. where you're you're meeting with your ally you're going over what what goals you had set what goals you have, have achieved um, setting new goals and just continuing the process to get to that point where you're 200 percent above the federal poverty line. Yeah, um, and I, I would totally agree. It's, if if they fail, it's usually pretty quick into it. Um, like me, I, I went through circles and I still stay in contact. That was five years ago, and I still stay in contact with my my allies. So in a way, and if we use different, if we use different language around it, it'd be kind of like that's like a sponsor, right? Like somebody yeah, that's kind of saying like I'm like here to help you navigate this maybe strange and unusual world where I'm gonna be because that's the other thing, right? It's like there's a goal of getting over 200% of poverty, yeah. and then there's a next level of maintaining that, yeah. right? In a world that is not always linear, that yeah. there are setbacks and there are uh, unexpected things that come into your life and you don't know. And, and, and maintaining that takes a, a I mean, in the, in the best of circumstances, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So as, as we're talking here, I think it, it will come back, but if, if you'll indulge me, I, I, I'm thinking about the barriers and the, the different experiences between allies and, and circle leaders. So I just want to maybe throw out, a word or an issue, and then maybe we have a conversation about how this one thing is different for people on poverty or not poverty. So let's start with housing. What, what do people, what's a common experience for people in poverty versus a common experience for people who have not experienced poverty? Okay. So 
for people in poverty, I think one of the things is lack of affordable, um, safe housing. You know, because you can have a house, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make it a safe house. Um, whereas, you know, if you're a person not in poverty, you may, maybe have never experienced living in an unsafe house. You know, ceilings crumbling, broken windows, you know, no gas, no heat, you know, stuff like that. That's a, um, a huge barrier, you know, because if you're not comfortably safe in a house, how are you going to make progress to better yourself and get yourself out of poverty. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that's my take on it. Well, one of the things I hear is um, because housing is expensive, you know, relative to what people in working families in poverty earn, um, they're commonly in very small spaces mm-hmm. for, for what, you know, what they can afford. Um, yeah. And. Oh, yeah. It may or may not be safe, yeah. but it may be all they can afford. Yeah. And it may be a lot of kids in one bedroom. Yep. It could be. A lot be, of noise. I, I know of a circulator family that is a family of five that lives in a one bedroom yeah. rental. And so, you know, just, just think about how challenging that would be, um, not just for the parents, but for the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're, you're in a very small space trying to get up every day and go to school mm-hmm. and be rested and just just basic yeah. human needs that are going to the wayside yeah. because of your living yeah so situation. if you if we go back to like uh, maslow's hierarchy of needs like something at the bottom of that pyramid is security safety mm-hmm. and security which housing and food and things like that are yeah. another big part of that let's talk about food what's in Difference in food. I'd say healthy food, right right up front. You know, if you're if you're if you're a person in poverty, typically, you know you you don't eat the healthiest. You know, I mean, you eat what you can afford. Um, if you have transportation to get to a actual grocery store, then you may be have access to healthy foods. Um, now, n- my experience. We'd get to the store, and most time we bought a bunch of junk. Yeah. Um, because it was easy, it was quick, we could make it fast. Um, whereas, you know. And, and going back to your thing about maybe not having gas and electricity, and wa- maybe yeah. maybe you don't even have a, a way to prepare food. So you have, exactly. you're relying largely on yeah. semi prepared food or high, highly processed foods, yeah. right? Yeah. And then, you know, you add the, if you don't have a vehicle to get to the supermarket, you're essentially now in a food desert. Mm-hmm. You know, you, if you. You know, a day like today where it's, you know, 30-some degrees, are you going to want to walk to the grocery store, carry all your groceries back, and then maybe be able to prepare your food? Yeah. Or do you just run up to the quick shop real quick and just grab something really fast? Yeah. You know, so I think the, the big difference to me around food um, is is the um, availability and being able to get healthy foods. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, I I, it would be difficult for me. Yeah. <laughs> it would be difficult for me to shop and live on the amount of money that people in poverty have to do. Yeah. It would be very difficult. Even with the benefits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. 
Because it's not, I mean, despite some of the rhetoric that's out there, it's not, people aren't living high on the hog. No. Us, right? <laughs> I mean, it's... Very, very few times that when I was on um, SNAP benefits did I go out and buy giant steaks for a <laughs> great steak dinner. No, we're, we're, we're more will, interested in, in buying what we can to survive. Yeah. You know. And, and trying to feed a family Multiple, on a yeah. limited amount. And probably with limited time too yep. because of these uh, these are working families yeah. but they just work in real, in jobs that don't pay a lot. Yep. And so that there's a time crunch there too so the in the competition of time and money there's uh, what can I buy that's going to feed all these people for less money but also what can I do I'm tired I've been working yeah. all day or all night or whatever um, and now I I need to do this quickly too. I need yeah. to feed a lot of people in a relatively for for a little bit of money. In a relatively short amount of time, because I'm wiped out. Yeah. Right. Which then, I mean, I just one of the things that gets me about this, you can start seeing all these connections, right? Because if I'm a single mom and I got three kids or or whatever at home, and I'm doing all this and I'm working and I'm trying to feed them, but then I've got to get them ready for school and try to help them with homework. And if there's nobody there helping out with that, yeah. that's another thing that pulls opportunities away, yeah. right? Um. You had mentioned in there transportation. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. Because okay. transportation is really interesting. And you mentioned about food. And I think we don't think about it in a place like Hutchinson so much. But if you lived clear down by Cary Park, uh, there's no there's nowhere to get food. I mean, we now have this place here at um, the little convenience store in the uh, plaza. Yeah. So we've got that. That's something. Yeah. But there's not a, there's not a full grocery store the closest one is going to be on fourth avenue or fifth yep. avenue which is a long ways away if you don't have a running vehicle yeah. so I, let's talk about some of the issues that people might struggle with in transportation because it's um, I'm, I'm just fascinated by that because that that's also key to everything right yeah, so, yeah you know um j- just for an example um you know say you don't have a vehicle but you, like you said, you live down by Carrick Park, but your job's out by the mall. Mm-hmm. A blizzard comes or something. How are you going to get to work? You've now you got to make the choice. Do I walk to work and risk catching pneumonia or something? Um, chances are you're working a minimum wage job, maybe slightly over now. Yeah. But do you risk walking, getting sick? to make that little bit of money you're going to make, which in turn, you know, people in, in poverty may not have health care. Mm-hmm. So then you're going to be out ill longer because you can't get, you know, seen by a doctor. But then you're also um, put back because you're sick, losing wages, and now your kids may be suffering as well. Mm-hmm. But then how are you going to get your kids to school? Yeah. So then their education suffers. So. To me, every one of these little things directly affects how people um, either get out of or stay in poverty. Mm-hmm. Transportation is a huge one. Yeah, which is why those are qualifiers for circles. Yeah, you know, we ask them, "Are you stable in your housing, in your relationships, in your transportation?" Yeah. Um, because we know that if those, if you, there's chaos there. They're not going to be able to do this time of type of you know change. Yeah. This type of programming, this type of model. That's it's going to be very very difficult. 
Yes, because if they're if they're not if if they're transport if they lack transportation, they won't be able to actually make it to to visit with the or they won't get the support of the circles yeah. program because they won't be there. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know there there are instances where we will help with rides and things like that, but we really encourage um, we do encourage circle leaders when they when they come to circles to immerse themselves in the circles community. Mm-hmm. Um, we do that for a lot of different reasons, but you know we want them to build that as a habit. Yeah. We want them to. Um, be with Anthony first, have that soft handoff to their match circle. But the one thing that, that we probably should talk about more is is the benefits that circle leaders get from the entire circles group. Mm-hmm. Because there are people there that are volunteers, there are meal providers there every week, there are all these people in the community that are there to support the circle leaders. And um, so the more they can be there, the more successful they're going to be at creating that change. Yeah, because I think we, 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 you'll hear a lot that the more you put in, the more you're going to get out of mm-hmm. it. You know, it's all driven by the circle leader. Yeah. You know, we, we don't set their goals. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's all up to them. Um, so the more they come, the more people they're going to meet, the more connections you're going to make. You know, I've, I've got connections now with people that I never thought I would ever have connections with. So, which is great. You know, I think that's one of Insert the best parts. Boom. Um, yeah, and, and we see it happening, and it's great when it happens. For for example, last week we had a person that was in the the class with Anthony that didn't have a ride to circles. And so I got on the phone and I started talking to Anthony and I started talking to all these other people. Who can give this person a ride? It ended up being a person who's also in the class with Anthony. Mm. So see, they're already developing that cohesion with one another, that connection with one another. And they just finished the fourth class? Yep, yep. So that pretty much speaks to how important that piece of it is. Yeah. Well, and this conversation makes me think, like, I think we, a lot of us, particularly if we uh, uh, have had different experiences in our lives, the the idea, well, a lot of people don't have that social network, right? They don't have that social connection outside of their immediate family, right? And so it that's seems like that's what you're saying is that the, one of the biggest advantages of the circles program is that you you're now building a community of people that are kind of enveloping the the circle leaders to say hey it's not it's not just the person you're partnered with it's the 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 ladies handing out the meals and it's everybody here and we're all working we're all pulling together and we're all pulling that's for exactly you right. right you know i think one of the things we ask when you first come in and, and i don't remember if this is on the um you know the application but one of the things that is asked is how many people how many positive people can you count on in your life um i know when i was went and started with circles um i i mean i had the people i lived with mm-hmm. uh, most people can say will say one or two yeah. um, now if you're if you're trying to get out of poverty those one or two people might be really good for cheering you on but it's meeting 
the, the broader group of people and building these connections that is going to really help you get to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you may come just for the meal one night, and it's not one of the nights that we're, we're really meeting with our allies or not, but you meet somebody who in turn helps you get the job of your life, and now you've just changed your life. Yeah. And it's just because you came to that one meal on a Thursday that nothing really major was going on, but you met somebody. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. why the connection is, is so huge and, and a key piece to it. Yeah. And let me add to that a little bit. So if you if you want to improve your financial stability and you've been to the training and you're matched, how do you do that? How's the best way for you to do that? It's usually through your employment pathway, right? Mm-hmm. How do you improve your employment pathway? Well, you take some classes. Mm-hmm. You you finish your you know, you start with finishing your GED if you don't have your diploma. You, these are the things that we help them with because we have people in that greater circles community that have experience in those things. Mm-hmm. And those, that's because um, people in leadership at circles have reached out to not just allies, but other people in the community that do that kind of work. Mm-hmm. So we have built those relationships so that we can help the circle leaders improve that employment pathway so that they can get not just a stable, but thrive yeah. at some point. And um, Anthony touched on the data earlier, but you know he's talking about a data point that we collect. When someone is a circle leader at circles, every six months we, we ask them to provide a pro, you know, complete a progress report. And that's one of the questions on the progress report. And I'm the one who enters the data for Circles USA, and that number that he's talking about will continue to grow mm. throughout that time that they're at Circles. And so we see we see in this through through this uh, some some I mean not just anecdotal progress, but uh, tangible data-driven progress that that we see people moving. Uh, into a more stable environment and a more uh, like reliable income and things like that, and they're making these moves, right? Exactly. Um, nationally, what what do we see? What does the data show us nationally? Okay, so we're talking about data. Yeah, we're talking about numbers, and like I said, we're required to report those to Circles USA. So every year in January, Circles USA develops an impact report, and that is based on all the data from every chapter in the system, Okay, 80-plus chapters in the United States and Canada. Um, so the most recent number that I have is after 18 months, participants achieve an average 71% increase in their income. That, uh, that after 18 months, that's yeah. remarkable. Yeah. And we asked them to start at 185% or below of the federal poverty guidelines. So I think we all know that those guidelines are pretty low. They're pretty low. I think I looked it up today even. I think for a family of three, is it four? Four, it's like like 26,000. Yeah. Yeah, it's really low. And it doesn't change no. from year to year. So that's what we do. And that's why the data collection is required 
But when you think about it, it's, it's as remarkable as that is it's to say that 71% of participants 18 months later have increased their, they have had, or that they've had a 71% increase in income. As, aside from that, it, I mean, the, the change is actually much bigger than that, right? I mean, you're, you're increasing the income, but you, what you've done is also like maybe served as a, as a springboard for the next generation, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because right. this is one of the things that I think is the coolest part about Circles is we're a two-generation kind of program. Mm-hmm. So typically when we would have a child care um, facilitator or whatever, um, while their parents are in the class with me, they're going to be in, in, in a class learning kind of a more child-friendly version of what we're doing. Because with Circles, we feel that if we can stop poverty at an early age, they won't, it won't turn into generational. Yeah. You know, we, we can stop it early by just teaching the kids that are coming with their parents. And um, to me, that's one of the coolest things about Circles is it's, it's not just for the adults. Yeah. We're, we're trying to stop it at an early age. And it's a, it's a little more... Uh, proactive than reactive, yeah. right? You're not saying, oh, this is, uh, so, uh, there's a family in poverty, we're now going to, you know, try to address that. It's saying there's a family in poverty, we're now going to try to w- help this family walk on a journey to a, a more income. But like you said, looking multi-generational and saying, you know, along the way, we're going to give these kids the tools that, that poverty isn't the norm, and then we're going to help their parents put that into action, yeah. right, so that they, they get to experience that it, it simultaneously along two generations. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So there was one other barrier that I know, and I, there's a couple other points I want to make on that or ask about on that. Um, you know, healthcare came up. Um, how, what's the experience... What would be the typical experience for a circle leader in, uh, as it relates to healthcare? So, there's there's there can be different parts. You know, um, the one I tip we we see a lot of. Um, you know, because sadly, right now, you know, if you if you're a person working but you make too much money, you you don't qualify for like state insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're still not making enough to afford insurance on your own. Yeah. So therefore you're still going out without insurance. You know, you, you may be working one, two jobs to be able to support your family, you know, um, or you're just that single person who, like I said, is making too much and don't qualify. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people that come in, um, starting out they're they're using the state insurance or they're, they don't have any. Yeah. So, um, you know, Poverty is, is um, what does she, Sarah, say? Poverty is expensive. Poverty is expensive. Yes. and It costs a, cost a lot to be poor. It, it, it does. It costs yeah. a lot. And, and, and it's not always monetary, you know, because, you know, if you're in poverty, you're going to have poorer health. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have a life, life expectancy that is, is lower than, you know, somebody who's not. And a lot of that is due directly to not being able to afford proper health care. Yeah. Yeah. And and even people who may work in a job 
and it offers health insurance yeah. for a lot of people that's not affordable. Yeah. Right? They'll just skip out on the employer yeah, sponsored health care or they'll sign up for it in case something catastrophic happens. Yeah. But if you're looking at a two thousand or three thousand dollar deductible, you're saying let's just rub some dirt on it because yeah. we we're not we don't have that kind of money, Absolutely. right? I don't, and the last thing I need is to be hassled by the hospital or yeah. the clinic or whatever yeah. for a for a medical bill. Yep. Right. And or not Oh, go ahead. Excuse me, or not be seen because yeah. you have a medical bill. Yes. Because you have medical debt. Yeah. So that. And then some counties in Kansas get thrown in jail for that. Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> that's, oh. There was a big story in southeast Kansas about that where they basically would um, bring you before a judge if you had medical debt. And then if you couldn't pay it, the you'd, you'd go to jail and your bond would be something akin to what you owed. I'll tell you right now, I would have spent a lot of time in jail. Yeah. Because, you know, with me, I didn't, I, I, I didn't, I couldn't afford health insurance. Um, so, you know, if I got hurt, I either, I had to be really hurt to be seen. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, as somebody who's broken bones, mm-hmm. a lot of, um, you know, like I'd break an arm, I'd get a huge debt for that. I couldn't pay it. Yeah. So, and it's probably at the emergency room too. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't have a, a primary doctor until about five years ago. Yeah. My my primary doctor was whoever was on call at the emergency. At room. the most expensive place to yep. get care, <laughs> which is what we, one of the most ridiculous things about. Yeah. But it, it, that would be another episode with another group of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or yes. <laughs> um, so the the other thing in this that I thought uh, kind of looking at all these connecting points is you, you had talked about the, um, I think you call it political trauma, oh. the, basically the, the things that are put in place. Um, and you had, we talked about this housing issue, right? So there is, there is a situation where you're, you're in poverty, you have maybe four or five kids and you, you can't afford anything big. And so you have a, a not very well maintained one bedroom house. And, you're, you're frazzled because you're working and you're trying to get your kids ready or whatever. And anyway, at some point, maybe there's a report made to DCF, right? Now you have that political trauma coming in, right? Like, yep. why don't you have a house with a bedroom for each kid? Yeah. Well, because I can't afford it. Well, you can't have five kids sleeping in a bedroom. And now you're kind of ensnared in this whole uh, people who live this way have created a bunch of rules and requirements for people that for for that it's not functionally all the time possible to meet those standards is that right yeah yeah Yeah. that's it's that happens a lot um and the sad reality of it is is then you're it's not just one barrier that comes up with that you know because you're now you're you've got the state in your house Mm -hmm. a lot you're, you're trying to navigate that part of the system, but they're gonna want you to get better housing mm-hmm. with more rooms. How are you gonna do that? Yeah. You know, you can, um, you know, work two jobs, but then you're, they're probably gonna get onto you because you don't have daycare or, you know, who's taking care of your children. Now, now it's a neglect case. Yeah, exactly. taking care of the kids. And, right? and then you're running the risk of losing your kids. So it, it's those type of traumas to me ends up just compounding and it compounds and it compounds and then it's almost impossible to get out you know it it does happen but 
Yeah, we, we, we can get into that. That's... <laughs> Uh, I can I can tell that's a per, that's a that's a pretty a that's that's yeah. a touchy subject because because it is it seems like people are trying and doing the best they can with the resources they have, um, particularly if they grew up in generational yeah. poverty and this doesn't seem like unusual. No, right? It's and that that's learned a, behavior. It's a learned behavior, right? When I was a kid, we had multiple kids sleeping in a room, and it was not a big deal. Yeah. I liked it. I've heard people say that. I I shared a room with my four sisters or my you know, three brothers, and I loved it, and it was fun. We would all hang out at night or whatever. So it doesn't seem foreign. Yeah. Um, and then we have these systemic things that come in and say, well, this is this is a problem now. We have to change yeah. this. Um, another thing, and I know this has been a topic that's been uh, raised lately, is uh, like lending. And, you know, we, we had conversations about payday loans. Typically, a lot of the families that we're – that, that you're probably the circle leaders uh, have previously lacked resource to l- lending, good lending. Yeah. Um, may, a lot of people that I know would avoid uh, checking accounts because they were worried of overdraft fees, and that's legitimate yeah. because there was a time where people were get that you know go twenty dollars over and end up owing one hundred and fifty dollars yeah. in overdraft fees. So that, that's another system that punishes people for not having yeah. enough money, right? Oh, yeah. um, so so then that opens up that they're not eligible for traditional lending and they get into a place. And I, I, I was at a meeting recently and heard a story and, and it, it, it struck me. But, you know, it's not uncommon that transportation is one of the big things, right? I got to have a working car. So if my car breaks down or my tires are worn out, yeah. I've got to fix that. And you'd think that right in that moment. And it's true. If I don't fix this car, how do I work? And if I don't work, every other part of my life is going to yeah. become further compromised. So in that moment, going to a, a predatory lender and uh, or and getting money to solve this immediate problem that the logic, the logic tree says that's a good move because that solves this other problem and this allows me to get to work and get my kids to school um, – but once that starts, that's a hard thing to get out of, isn't it? Well, that's that revolving door. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the system is predatory and it's inherently flawed as far as the time that the the terms of the loans, the payback piece of it, the interest is charged, and, and that's why that you know goes back to Circle's second purpose, which is to help create change in, mm-hmm. in the community and advocate for change on things exactly like that. And that's why we hosted that payday lending yeah. reform meeting. And um, because so many people at Circles have experience mm-hmm. with that type of situation. Yeah. There's a reason that payday loan companies are usually in poorer neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's because those are the people that they're preying on those are the people who they're going to continue making money on because that person who took that $200 loan out, when they get paid, they may not have had enough money in their check to buy food, pay their rent, to go and pay this loan off. So what they're going to do is they're going to go refinance that loan, usually get more money so they can continue and make their their you know month's rent or whatever. But now they now owe more, mm-hmm. and it's constantly getting interest. So it is like... Once you get to a point, it's almost impossible to get out. 
um, we had that uh, circle leader who talked, and it took her years, years to get out of it. To unbury. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, because if you you can't get one at this one, that one down the street, they're going to give you that same loan. Yeah. You know, and they don't really care that you have this one. Yeah. You know, and then garnishments and whatever else that comes along with it. And, and it and it seems that I think this is, you know, kind of tying to the, the ally and the leader scenario. If you're in that moment and you're trying to solve a problem, and that's what you're trying to do, then, then yeah. what you just described of going around and getting the loans, that makes sense, right? Because you're yeah. trying to solve an immediate problem. Um, and then someone with the experience the experience that an ally would have might be able to explain that this is yeah. this is a long-term disaster for for you, and maybe we can look at some other ways yeah. to find uh, to solve this problem. Right? And let us help use a connection that we may have in the community. Exactly, that can help you out with yeah. this. Yeah, um, maybe we know a mechanic who will take payments. Maybe see, maybe right. we can go and I can say, hey, I can you help this person out? And yeah, yeah, yeah you know, and and that's what's other, another cool thing. Circles is just cool all around to me, but. Um, you know, you're learning these things, you know, because when you're when you're we call it the, the chaos of the moment, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're in that tornado like you don't know up and down what's going on. All you know is that you need to solve this one problem, mm-hmm. but you're not thinking that if I go do this, it's going to cause problem B, C, D, mm-hmm. you know. And for me, when I was in circles, um, that's a lot of what my allies were there for. I'd get in that chaos of the moment. And I would just call them up and I'm like, this is what's happening. And they would be able to let me a speak, you know, because it's, it's all up to me. So I, I was able to explain what was going on, what my thoughts are on how to fix it. And they'd be like, well, that's not a smart idea. Mm-hmm. You know, let's look at op- these options. And nine out of 10 times, they, they had the right options, you know? Yeah. So, but they, they gave me that one person, the one person um, that wasn't really living like me. Cause you know, when, when I first went in there, all the people I knew were pr- pretty much in the same situation I was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just made sense. You know, I'd, I'd ask them, Hey, I got this bill due. They're like, Oh, go get a loan. You know, but my ally was able to be like, let's, let's think this over, stop, you know, stop the fight or flight mm-hmm. and was able to reel me back in and then we were able to make productive decisions. So I think that's that's what's really cool about circles. the circle leaders understand like, okay, if that if this happens then what happens next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, look down a couple sequences yeah. there and see. And and think that through. Yeah. Think they're not in the chaos. Yeah. You know, they're an outside observer. Mm-hmm. So they're able to help relieve that that chaos. Well, it's kind of, it's, I mean, it, that's kind of an interesting dynamic that exists everywhere, right? Like, I, if I have a friend who's in crisis about something, I, I, in, in poverty or not, I can look at that situation and say, oh, well, clearly, this is the thing you should do. If I'm in that same situation, I'm like, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> I, don't know yeah. what, I don't know what to do, right? Yeah. Um, because you do have a hard time seeing your, your way out of your own situation yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. Even, even, you know, no matter where you are, socioeconomic spectrum yeah. you're sometimes in your in your your scenario your crisis in your moment in front of you you can't see clearly when somebody else can just see through the fog and say oh no that's the thing you're about to do is that's that's going to make it worse and yeah. you should not do that yeah. so tell me a little bit about okay i, I want to do this 
What does it, it I've been to them, but listeners haven't. What does a circles meeting look like? You guys meet on Thursdays, mm-hmm. every Thursday, right? Every Thursday. There's a dinner. Unless there's unless there's a holiday. Okay. Yeah. Like there will be yep. coming we, up. We yeah, won't we meet won't. on Thanksgiving. Yeah. We will not meet on Thanksgiving or the two weeks surrounding Christmas. Yeah. Okay. But we are there every other Thursday. Yeah. Okay. And the evening begins with the 530 shared meal. Mm-hmm. We feel like a lot of good things happen around the table, mm-hmm. and we want people to be exposed to that and yeah. have that opportunity. And then uh, programming starts at six. So if a circle, if a person comes to circles and they're in, and they're in one of the two training sessions that we offer each yeah. year, um, Anthony will take them down to the circles classroom and they'll do that training session for the evening. I'm using yeah. training. Yeah. <laughs> The conversation, conversation. session. <laughs> I, 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 okay. <laughs> I don't know if we need to stop this, but I, I have a different view of that because yeah. I feel like the information he provides is a lot more important than just have like you and me having a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it just has. There's a lot of information there that is very helpful for people. So that's no, why. there is, and 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 really. <laughs> Here, here's here's this one reason. Here's one reason I say I say discussion. As a person coming to circles in that vulnerable spot, you start talking about training. I start freaking out. Yeah. Yeah, I get. If it. I say, come come to circles, join the the class. We're gonna have a conversation. My anxiety is lower. Uh-huh. I'm able to come in. I'm able to not think that I'm being trained on something. Yeah. But I'm still learning. Yeah. But I'm able to, my anxiety is not there, so I'm not putting the wall up. And therefore, the wall is down so we can make those intentional connections. Yeah. That's the and, stealthy way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's and that's that's why I call it a conversation and not a train. I get that, though. Although I did make a note to uh, do another episode later about why Anthony gets anxious at the word training. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because there's something there. there, there, there I really want to be. know about. There has to be. There has to be. Oh, I'll have to dig deep on that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that so that's what happens. So shared meal. Um, so many meal providers in our community. So so yeah. grateful. So oh. thankful for those people oh, that yeah. do that. We you know, many of them do it multiple times a year. Yeah. Uh, many of them have been doing it for. 11 years, years yeah. now. Yeah. So thankful for that. And it's good. Yeah. 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 And then programming at 6, and um, we have a schedule for each month. So if you are not in the classroom with Anthony and you are matched, the first week of every month is match night. The second week is support night. So both allies and circle leaders um, gather in their respective groups and receive continuing education, um, provide peer support for one another. That's what happens on the second Thursday. The third Thursday is something that we really haven't touched on tonight, and that's our resource team planning night. Mm-hmm. And um, we have four resource teams at Circles, and they really provide the foundation for the work that we do. Volunteer-driven. Um Community team runs all the runs all the logistics of the meetings, um, job services and education. Mm-hmm. You can imagine what those people help with. Um, Big View, mm-hmm. which is our give back piece, and then recruitment. We have a team that works on recruitment. 
And that's for both circulators so, and allies. Although a lot of times some of that lands on yeah. Anthony's plate and mine. We, we still want to involve other people in that process. Yeah. So that's, that's how that works. Okay. So if, if I'm out there and I'm, maybe I hear this and, and I'm interested in being an ally or I'm like, that sounds like a good program that I, that would help me. Like, how do I, how do I sign up? How, or how do I find out and look at making this a part of my life? We have a Facebook page and that's open to the public and Anthony's contact information is there and my contact information is there and that's how a lot of people find us. Okay. Um, I have a lot of connections with faith groups in the community and a lot of our allies come through those. Yeah. Yeah, I think circle leaders recruit circle leaders yeah. commonly. That's yeah. that's the. I mean, to me, that's the best way for circle leaders to get new circle leaders is for the circle leaders who's already worked the program to just do say this works yeah, for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, some people just word of mouth, and then you know we've got these flyers that we we pass out, and it's got both of our contact on it, and you can always get a hold of either me or Marla. Um, you're going to get the same information either way. Yeah. Um, or even just show up at Trinity on a Thursday and, and see if it's something you're, you want to be a part of. Yeah, you start at, you start at 5. 5.30. Right, 5 5.30, yep. And it's at Trinity United Methodist yeah. uh, at 17th and Main. Yep. Yes. Right? Okay. Yeah. Doing the, the red awning, the maroon awning. Yeah. The door yeah. with the maroon awning. Yeah, which you have to park in the lot. parking lot. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, it's on the... Um, what is it? The north. east? Oh, the, the north, north northeast side yeah. of the building. Yeah. There, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've had some people show up and they walk all the way around Trinity multiple times before they find the right spot. So let's just go Say ahead and throw right. it out there right now. <laughs> the maroon awning. Yep. So thinking of, thinking about this, um, you must have some success stories locally that that you're really proud of or really happy to have seen developed. Can you talk about those at all? Sure, sure. We we have a lot of success stories. Um, person I'm thinking about right now is um, a young woman who was a circle leader. She was a little different as far as where she came from to circle. She actually had grown up in a very stable middle-income family but had made some choices that had led her to poverty. And so she came to Circles, trained with Anthony, um, came back later, took the class again, um, matched after that, had a really successful match as far as her um, financial stability, now she's come full circle. She's trained and she is an ally now for one of the circle leaders and her husband who just finished. Wow. So that's the kind of progress that Sarah has made. To, so. to go from being in poverty, a circle leader, to coming through that, reaching stability, and then turning around and helping someone else navigate through this system. Yes. Right. That sounds like a very efficient... Uh, program, right? Like if you're actually recruiting your next crop of allies from your successful circle leaders and it's a self-replicating system. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a 
really is a good system. I mean, if you think about how authentic Anthony is in his facilitator position, you know, he's he's taking everything that he has learned mm-hmm. and and everything in his match that he's learned and then building on that and now helping the next groups that are coming along. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Um, the one I'm thinking of is we had a lady, she, she came to class, um, was very quiet, wouldn't even really look at you. And I, I let them know right away, you know, like, because there's, there's sections in the book that's like, you know, this is pretty personal, so we're not going to ask you to share, but you may be asked to share. You don't have to, but, you know, I, I have a way of, of trying to pull them out, mm-hmm. you know, like, because like I said, it's a conversation to me. And the only way it's going to be a effective, productive conversation is if more people talk. Yeah. Um, so every time I would I'd get to a question and I'd, I'd just kind of look at her. And she'd look at me with, it was one of those, those, I'm going to kill you faces. Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, she's actively volunteering to talk. Um, now she's in a, a kind of a volunteer leadership role with Circles, um, gets up and speaks in front of the group, and is is making real progress. Um, I think one of the one times, last times I talked to her, she had, just got a, a really big raise at, at work mm. and is is doing really really well but yeah you're not going to come to the the class and you know kind of hide you know i'm gonna i'm gonna do everything i can to pull you out you got to be uncomfortable to make change yeah so I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you a little uncomfortable but at the same time we're gonna be very understanding there's there's tears i mean this is this is some pretty deep stuff you know and there's a lot of inward thinking um so i mean there's a lot of tears but when you pull that person out and she starts making change like this this lady has that's what makes it all worth it yeah you know these two sort like and these are just two yeah success stories but yeah that's what makes it worth it you know i well, and I think and I think about this, and I, I, well, I have to go back to you, Anthony. I mean, you said five years ago, yeah, you came through this, yeah, and now you're uh, a leader in this space. Yeah. You're a leader in the disability space through your yeah. work, and generally, I mean, you are really engaged in a lot of different things in the yeah. community, and it's, it, this is one of the things that that. Well, I'll, I'll have a question after this, but I want to say this. It, the, all of that, the two stories that you just shared, and thinking about you, Anthony, in particular, um, one of the things that bothers me and always has about our approach to poverty or our inaction on poverty is the amount of human capital that is lost because of poverty. Right there, and then I'll go back to your story about the saxophone, but it could be a kid who wants to study biology and probably maybe in this kid's brain is a solution to one of these big perplexing health problems that we've been faced with and we have this kid who's in a home that doesn't have electricity or running water or not enough food and we lose that capital we lose that capacity and we we lose the the innovation yeah. and solutions that reside in that would 
might re reside in that mind and might have been realized had we been able to help that family along. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so then that leads me to my question, my, and I'll, I'll let you answer this and then, and then maybe wrap it up with this. But if I'm out there in the world and I think, well, that all sounds nice, but yeah, I mean, why, why should a person who thinks they're unaffected by poverty, whose life is comfortable and they don't have anything to worry about really, why, why do I care? That's a very good question. Um, and really just right off the top of my head, I, I, instantly I just think at any given time, in any moment, you can be a person in poverty. COVID proved that to us. Mm -hmm. You know, so many middle class people who have never experienced poverty, have never had to navigate that system, um, COVID hit, they lost their jobs. They are now in that same situation. Um, so to me, the more we learn about poverty, the more we learn about people in poverty and understand that it's not just as simple as pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You know, we've been taught that our whole lives. Yep. It, it's more than that. You know, the more we learn about them, people in poverty, and the more we invest in people in poverty, just the better all around we're gonna be. You know, you're going to learn skills that could possibly help you if it happens to you, mm -hmm. you know, um, but you might just be that person that changes somebody's life that in turn changes somebody else's life and then it becomes a repeating thing. And in a perfect world, we've done done away with poverty. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's that's what I think when, when I think of that question is, you know, the more we learn, the more we can help. I agree. The more we learn, the more we learn. I mean, that's what it's about for me. I mean, I, I would love for everyone in our community to understand how this system works and to understand that it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And I spoke earlier about an investment of time and care, and that's what we do at Circles. Yeah. We, we invest in people because we know that that's the best thing for our community. And yeah. that's what, for me, that is my motivation. Um, and we're gonna change one family at a time, but yeah. that's one family. We may, may <laughs> change that family that has that innovation that changes healthcare. Yeah, or, or helps another family. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Yeah. Or helps an entire community of people yeah. uh, we just don't know right but I yeah. like what you said about investing in people we invest in a lot of things in this country and in this state and I think we're very seldom off the mark if we invest in people no matter where they are at yeah. any given moment in their life yeah. right and I think that's what brings allies to circles there are a lot of very active community volunteers in Hutchinson but the people who want to be an ally at Circles are the people who want to have a deeper, more meaningful impact on our community. Mm -hmm. Because it is. Yeah, yeah. It's deep. And it's not always pretty. Yeah, no. But and it's never a straight line. <laughs> it's, it's never a straight line. It's never yeah. linear. It's, it's, 
Yeah, it's but, up and down, yeah, up yeah. and down. But and that, that's that's how life is. It's how life is. You and know, you hope so. the trend line is moving the right yeah, way, or you yeah. try to make it run that yeah. way. But but I also think that that it, it's one thing that we also do is we we give people permission to make mistakes mm-hmm. and to learn from those mistakes. Um, you know, because you may be doing really well and then hit a snag and you fall back, and we're not going to judge you on that. We're going to help you set the next goal to help you keep going, mm-hmm. and I think that's 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 very important. That especially when you're investing in people, is to, to give them permission to fail. You know, as long as they're learning, they're not really failing. Yeah. You know, we're we're it's part of the learning process. Uh, my one of my words that I or phrases that I've been saying to myself all week for completely different reasons, but. Um, I'll say, well, this is a very good lesson for me to learn. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, as you were, you were saying that, I thought one of my favorite lines from one of my favorite authors, uh, John Steinbeck, I can't remember which book, but it's the line that says, now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. Yeah. Right? It's like once you give up the idea that you have to be perfect, you can then just be good. And yeah. that includes mistakes, and that yeah. includes learning from mistakes. Yeah. So. Well, and one of our one of our mottos at Circles is progress, is not perfection. perfection. Yeah, and we don't expect perfection, no. but we do progress. expect people to make progress over time. Yeah, because it takes yeah. time. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the work you two do in this Thank community, you. and I appreciate uh, everything you do and everything Circles done. I've always loved I've always loved Circles. I think it's such a great program and so effective. Um, and such a great way to bring two maybe otherwise disconnected groups of people together to mm-hmm. share a common experience, which I think is just core to everything, to have that understanding. And so that both parties walk away saying, I now know things about another part of the world that I didn't know. And I just think it's, it, it's incredible. So thanks for all of that. And thanks for visiting with me today and visiting with listeners about yeah. everything you're doing out there. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. We love to talk about circles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, and, and we could probably do it longer. But, you know. um, oh, we sure could. We could really yeah. get into it. But. <laughs> thank you. For, I mean, this is my first time on a podcast. and Oh, I love it. Uh, I love me it. too. Yeah, yeah, I and, thought you had already no, done no. this. And, and the great part about it is is when I got to work today, I was, I was telling um, my boss, Erica, that I was going to be on here. And she's like, you better not talk about Beyond Barriers. That's when I go on there. I'm talking about it. I'm like, I won't. I won't even say it, but I'll name drop you at least once. You, so. you got me in trouble too. I, I, yeah, I, I realized that. that message and said, "So Anthony's going to be on <laughs> yeah. your podcast today." Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I had to let her know where I was going to be from three Did o'clock you, on. So you blamed it on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, but, just let it grow now. Yeah, which which was funnier because then I was like, what exactly is a podcast? You know, because I, I personally I don't I don't listen to radio. I don't listen I to podcasts. To you know, it's you know. So after they explained it, I was like, oh, then not too worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just a conversation. It's just a conversation. That's what I tell you. I everybody. like conversations. Everybody so. comes in there a little bit nervous. They don't do I'm like, don't worry. It's just good. It's just a yeah. conversation. Yeah. Kind of like you have. Yeah. It's yeah. just a conversation, well, I, I, right? I, I tell people when they go to job interviews a lot, like, because, you know, interviews can be stressful. I'm yeah. like, don't think of it as a job, an interview. You're just going to have a conversation with somebody. Yeah. And yeah. For some reason, everybody I know, if I say it's a conversation, you can just see the the fear and the stress kind of leave them. So yeah. it's, it's I like conversations. Conversations are a lot better than 
interviews, inquisitions, interrogations, oh, yeah. or, or job interviews. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, thank you. Training. Training. And training. Conversational training. Conversational training. That's what we'll go with. A conversational training. That's so funny. Well, yeah, thank, thank you. Guys. you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. I'd like to thank a few of the people who have helped make that podcast and Hutch possible. My son Mitchell Probst wrote and recorded the music for the show. Jenny Brigette put together some great graphics and promotional art. And Chris Acker helps overcome my mistakes to produce a great sounding product every episode. That podcast and Hutch is made possible through a collaboration between the Hutchison Arts and Culture Collective and Salt City Sound. They're working to bring resources and infrastructure to support art, music, and storytelling in our community. If you have an idea for your own podcast, reach out to them at podcasts at saltcitysound.net. If you enjoy that podcast and Hutch, be sure to subscribe and share it with all your friends. You can also help support this production by subscribing to thatguyandhutch.substack.com or by emailing me at thatguyandhutch at gmail.com to learn about sponsorship opportunities. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Assault City Sound Production.